pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Boom! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, we're we're back. Um, I, I've been away a little bit, um, and we haven't had a chance to talk about some of the good games that have been going on. So I'm pretty excited to get to talk about last Friday's shenanigans. And uh, obviously, Gary's here with me. How's it going, Gar? Good, mate. Good. And I mean, I'm not looking at a human being right now. I'm looking at a giant pint of Guinness with two little eyeballs <laughs> stuck to the front of it and a, and a graying beard at the bottom of it. You're not a man anymore after yeah, that Dublin trip. I, I'm, you're, you're liquid. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much I'm like uh, the guy from Terminator Two. I'm just like liquid liquid Guinness at this stage, man. It it was it was crazy. Like we uh, on the the Monday before we came back, we rented a Guinness factory, and I, like normally the tourist thing to do is to just go and have like two points, one or two points. There's a place called the Gravity Bar where like like it's uh, at the top of this the the storehouse, and you can kind of see like a bird's eye view of the whole of Dublin. So it's like literally go take your pictures have a point of guinness and fuck mm. off but uh of course i don't do things that way so 10 points in later <laughs> Fall, falling out of the storehouse i feel like me and my friend steve were probably like the drunkest people ever to come out of uh the guinness storehouse so. the, the amount of iron in you from all of that guinness right now <laughs> no. I, I can hear you rattling whenever you move you're, not... you're, gonna, you're gonna start rusting in the fog yeah, soon yeah I, I was like setting off uh I was sitting off like the the scanners at the airport on my way back just because it was full of iron. I've got some WD forty here. I'm I'm literally like the tin from. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I I did want to kind of just um when I was back home I got to go to uh the Dublin Derby which is like uh, between Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers, and uh it it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, like obviously these teams are way older than Air League and stuff like that, but uh we. we I'm a Shamrock Rovers fan um, and we were at Bohemians ground, but we had to sit in with the Bohemians fans because there was no, there was hardly any tickets. And uh, it, it was kind of nice though because we were right by the Shamrock, like the away section. Um, and a couple of days before um, the, the game, uh, there was a band in Dublin called Aslan. They're pretty famous in Ireland. Nobody else has heard them outside of Ireland. And the lead singer passed away. He's had cancer for quite a while. And his favorite team was Bohemians, who were the home team. So they changed their jersey and they put the band name across as the sponsor. Nice. Um, and then his daughter sang one of their favorite, their famous songs at halftime. But there was just some nice like banter between uh, the, the two sets of fans, where like they were kind of like uh, obviously like jostling each other. But then one part of them would start singing the song, and then the other group would start singing the song, and it was it was just so nice and kind of just. Obviously, like with just looking the back at our league, you know, like we we still don't have that yet, and I can't wait for them to start, like when for that to come. I think it's a like the the kind of the missing piece a little bit, mm. uh, because like the stadium only holds like five thousand, six thousand people, and there was like eight hundred hardcore uh, Shamrock Rovers fans, and uh, just just the back and forth between the two. There's a main stand where like all the kind of hardcore bows fans are from uh where they hang out and then obviously the away section the section we were in is kind of like more of a family style thing but uh it was just so much fun and uh, it just kind of reminded like with with air league do you think that we'll ever get to that because it's so like canada's obviously got that problem of there's not a team 
a 30 minute 40 minute drive down the road you know what i mean it's just kind of um i think i think that'll happen in pockets over time so eventually when fingers crossed a moncton team arrives or a saint john's team arrives i think then you'll get kind of localized away days but it's really difficult to travel on mass across to like vancouver isn't it it's yeah it's impossible so that, and that's the thing like i i think uh obviously it's a totally different scenario but like i i do hope that they kind of when they're bringing more teams on board are kind of looking at that kind of you know like vancouver and Victoria Pacific is a really nice one. And then you've got like York and Hamilton, York and mm. I guess Ottawa is kind of not that far, I suppose, in the, in the greater scheme of things. But yeah, we, we just kind of just makes you feel a little bit isolated, I guess. And uh, mm. yeah, it just kind of reminds me of like, um, obviously the Wonders Ground is fantastic, but just wouldn't, how nice would it have been for that game on Friday to have like a little pocket of, fans in a corner somewhere just yeah. to kind of throw a bit of abuse at them <laughs> you know what I mean like, I, saw, so. I saw I saw quite a few I saw probably I don't know 10 to 20 Forge fans because nice. they're pretty pretty recognizable in their orange aren't they but I think yes. they were in either 101 or 106 I can't remember which one they're in or 107 one of the corner ones they're in with with, with the game you were at in Ireland like if they knew you were a, a Shamrock Rovers fan would they have given you a bit of aggro like, I I probably would have got the the shit kicked out of me to be, yeah, to be honest. Of course, so, yeah. But but uh, the, the thing I love though is um so there was a, there was a kid in the section and his his dad was obviously a Bohemians fan and the kid being a little shit and that's re- the reason why I'm a Shamrock Rovers fan is because my dad's a Bose fan. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's he's standing there in the in the bow section with his Shamrock Rovers jersey on the little kid and when they scored he was kind of cheering and you can <laughs> see people just wanting to tell him to shut the fuck up but it's yeah. obviously a kid and he can't really say anything <laughs> but there was a guy so the the big rivalry is like like so bohemians are from the north side of dublin which is traditionally a poorer part of uh dublin and then the rovers are from the south side and there was a guy that was standing beside us and his buddy walked past well i'm acquaintance i guess and he kind of said to him, was like, uh, what are you doing over here? Like, you're from the South Side. What are you doing over <laughs> here? And, and the guy was just like, will you shut the fuck up? Because, like, if anybody around hears me, they'll fucking beat the shit out. <laughs> it was really funny, though, because, like, you know, it, it was uh, the Rovers fans, when they scored, there was, like, flares thrown on the pitch and, like, like smoke. And it was kind of, like, game was delayed for, like, a little bit. But uh, for 10 minutes after the ground cleared out, they would, the Rovers fans had to kind of stand back. Uh, stay back behind but it was just kind of funny because like by the time everybody was able to get down the street i looked across the road and all the shamrock fans were just walking past the same way so it was like what a waste of every it's, time but it's just it's, it's scary just... isn't it though like when you i've I've been in the middle i've been to one arsenal away game at white Hart lane and it's oh, really wow. really sketchy leaving because you basically you have to leave like half an hour after the home fans and you get a police escort to the tube station and you're kind of your escort is sometimes going past like Tottenham pubs and people are just like, wow. yeah, you see you like squaring up to the policeman. And I said, it feels like going to a war. I did it once. It was probably about 2006, 2007 time and never again doing that away game. Like it's just so sketchy. Yeah. Like this one wasn't too bad. Like, you know, like there has been trouble at them before and uh, all that kind of stuff, but it, it was just, uh, I th- I think as well just because of like what happened during the week that people were a little bit uh not as nutso but it was it was a yeah. really good game because Shamrock Rovers went two 0 up and then 
Bowes came back and drew 2-2 and it was a really fair result and uh, I think everybody kind of went home a little bit early but it was, it was just so nice like afterwards just going down for a pub uh, find mm. the pub having a point being able to talk about the game and all that kind of stuff was kind of nice um, I did want to just before we get into our Wanderer stuff uh, just bring up that uh, our friends at Molson Gores are are back on board with the with the show <laughs> Um, I, I know it's, you know what that means what, what's that do you know what I mean that means once again we have the the lawyers of Moles and Corson on our side Shit. so we can say whatever we want yeah. No one can say anything bad about us because we will sue you and you cannot sue us because we have the, the best lawyers in Canada working for us now. And so I, we're coming I, for you all. I, I really appreciate the fact that you've said Molson Corson. Uh, so we've had them back <laughs> two seconds and you've already fucked up the name again. Here. So we really appreciate it. So this week's beer of the, this, this week's beer of the week is a Strongbow Ultra Cider. So it's this new stuff that they've got. It's a dark fruit. Uh, it's mm-hmm. 90 calories, which after my trip to Ireland and eating as much chipper food <laughs> as I could, <laughs> uh, probably will help me out. But uh, this, this isn't something I normally drink, so uh, let's give it a try and see what the story is. I'll get that, get the little listener. I am, I'm watching a man drink a small can of Strongbow. His face is a picture of, of joy and delight. What's the review, Ant? It's um, it's alright. <laughs> it wouldn't be something I'd go into a pub in order, uh, but I can imagine like, and obviously not the same just because of most scored, but I can imagine like sitting out on a cold day or a hot yeah. day and just having one or two of these and then moving on to something a bit normal. But uh, yeah, it's, what, it's okay. Watch, watching you sample the product of the company that sponsors us, then just made me incredibly relieved that Manscaped have never decided to sponsor us because I'd have to watch you using their product. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus christ the series shaved down the pub into it yeah anyway uh, <laughs> all right uh so let's let's move let's move on to the uh crazy crazy shenanigans of uh of last friday um i i know that i missed uh the york game i said which was the 2-2 uh which i had to watch in a, an ipad in glasgow uh in my hotel room and i i i fell asleep because it was kind of late and then my buddy woke me up uh, after the wonders of the equalized. So yeah, it was it was kind of nice. But yeah, so um, unfortunately I couldn't go because I, I was just back and had to spend time with the kids. Um, I, I just kind of want to get your um, first of all before we get into like the the lineups and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what was the atmosphere like at the game? Because it was I, this was like <laughs> one of the first uh, or probably the first kind of evening game we've had. So uh, what was the atmosphere like at the game? Excellent. Yeah, one of the best I've ever experienced there. Um, We've been building a bit of momentum lately and you can see that the fans are really starting to buy in with what the team is doing on the pitch. And one thing I've noticed, and I I think this is, it's something they've definitely talked about and they've definitely discussed and they've they've started to do, is before the game, Zach Fernandez, um, Thiago Coimbra, a couple of others will turn to the main stand and actually like kind of lift their arms up and get the crowd going and get noisy. And I think it's really good that they're doing that because there've been some games where everything feels a bit kind of passive at the start of the game from the stands. It's almost like people are waiting to be entertained and waiting to have something to cheer about. But by kind of setting the tone that early on by having players do that, 
it, it instantly creates this sort of like rabid atmosphere. And then the first challenge goes in and the crowd are really on top of it as well. And that just snowballs and snowballs and it kind of, it sustains the atmosphere throughout the game. And what we need to do as supporters is kind of really, really feed off that because, and I've heard Patrice talking about this a few times in interviews and a couple of players have alluded to it in social media posts or whatever, this this idea of re-establishing the grounds as a fortress. Um, and I think we, I think it took some time to get over some of the, the heavy losses of last season and then the York defeat a couple of months ago as well kind of took us back a couple of steps. But now we've won three in a row at the grounds for the first time in our history. Now the football's really good. Now we're looking good. At, now we're looking really, really strong. You can see the wondrous grounds kind of becoming a bit more, a bit more animalistic. Like you want it to be a bit of a bear pit, don't you? You want yep. teams to come there and really feel a bit intimidated by that 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 atmosphere not to thrive off it like you saw some teams coming here last season who really thrived off playing in a nice stadium with a full house but a full house who aside from like some choreographed chants weren't really really intense and intimidating and it's starting to it's starting to get a bit more intimidating now which is which is a good thing. So yeah, I thought the atmosphere was fantastic all game and and the celebrations after the game, which I'm sure we'll get to later, were some of the easily actually my happiest moment at the grounds, like the the 10 or 15 minutes after the game. Yeah, I um a few people uh, that I that I've kind of talked to who'd been in the stands actually like not the kitchen because the kitchen does what the kitchen does were were saying that there was actually a really good vocal element to the to the to the stands throughout the game where like you know people who probably don't get involved or kind of try to keep quiet like we're actually like animated and getting behind the team and stuff like that so it's kind of nice to see that it's not just the usual suspects that other people are starting to get involved and mm-hmm. i i think with patrice coming in and the way that he kind of talks about football and and stuff like that the people are actually getting in tune with the game as well. Like they're not just like, uh, as you said, passive fans are actually like learning the the terms, learning like the, the, the formations and learning the setup. So I think, I think it's a lot more informed uh, fan base now. That's, that's the interesting thing about Patrice, I think. Um, and I think we all kind of got him wrong at first because he came here with this quite a, like quite a big tactical reputation. And we, we talked about it to death, all of this kind of, kind of cutting edgy sort of, modern systems he was playing and that is all still true but like kind of the more I hear him talk in interviews I've kind of realized that he's all about culture and he's all about building an atmosphere and a mood around a team and it's it's almost like the tactical stuff I think for him is kind of okay that just we'll leave that in the changing room like that's where that's kind of discussed but what he really cares about is like building an environment like building a mood around a place and actually, I think back now to the live event we did with them at Garrison, with Patrice and Derek. And I remember we were asking him a lot of questions about like inverted fullbacks and three box three and all of this stuff. And kind of retrospectively, I'm kind of looking back on them conversations now and thinking like, I bet in his head he was going like, stop fucking asking me about this. Like, oh, I want to talk about culture and I want to talk about passion and I want to talk about those sorts of like soft I don't know if they're soft factors of that sort of stuff like that's what he really cares about and and I think the tactical stuff as impressive and interesting as it is for like us as 
more like nerdy fans i i do think that's secondary to him compared to like the more like passionate fan based stuff in in fairness to the questions that we were asking he kind of came in with that reputation as being mm. you know um nobody ever really talked about the culture at Bond. It was more like the systems and how they yeah. play and stuff like that. So I think that's why those questions naturally came out. But mm. I definitely have got the feeling or, or the sense like from his post-match interviews leading up to the, the, his pre-match interviews, it's all about, uh, especially the home, obviously the home games where it's like about building the atmosphere. Because, you know, we, we all know like the grounds originally was always a kind of a fortress or people were not afraid to come here, but it was always like a a, a, a trip that was always a little bit intimidating, as you said, whereas after what happened last season, we kind of lost that edge. And uh, I think towards the end of the year, people were just burnt out and mm-hmm. you now we're, you know, we're getting that back again, where um, even just from watching on TV, you could feel, the, the electricity you know what I mean I know it sounds mm. kind of weird but like uh, it was definitely like uh it was definitely an electric feeling even just like from watching on TV so I, I I definitely you can definitely feel that we're getting back to where we were with everything um it's, it's the connection between the players and the supporters again that's the big thing I've noticed yeah. over the last month or so there's been a concerted effort to re kind of reform those those that connective tissue between those two people those two groups and the players are really kind of feeding off that now, I think, and really trying to like go over to the fans when they celebrate and when they're doing like the big jumpy thing at the end, like bring their fans down. So there's actually kind of a physical, tangible connection rather than this thing where supporters are there, players are here, and there's a, there's a disconnect there. And I and I, I do think I do think this is something that's been thought through and kind of they've they've put a plan in place to make this happen. I don't think it's completely organic, but that's okay. Like sometimes you do need to build a plan and like build a step-by-step way of reforming those connections. And yeah, they've done a brilliant job of doing it. And it's a really, really happy, nice place to be at the moment. The grounds is you want to go there. You're excited to be there because you you don't know what's going to happen. And that's, you know, uh, one of my favorite images uh, was, uh, I think it was uh, Coimbra, running around the Halifax flag that somebody had had yeah, in. brilliant. And just, uh, and that's the kind of stuff. Like, as you said, like, there, there probably was a plan of, like, hey, like, we need to get more involved. That the, These fans thrive off, like, it was being around them. They want to be, they, they want to feel part of the family, the group, blah, 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 blah. But that's organic where somebody, like, grabs a flag like that. Yeah. Like, that's, even, like, there was a couple of moments during the game where you saw people, like, uh, might have been Coimbra again, just kind of like trying to g the crowd up and stuff like that. Mm. So it, it's it's that kind of stuff that um that's not forced. That's just like that just happens, and it's it's wonderful moments like that. That like you know that photograph will. I love them photos. Oh yeah. man, that's gonna be there forever. And yeah, it, it was really cool. So it's, it's a re- so it's just it's a reminder when the players do that because that's how I feel about it. Is it's like they're reminding me that I'm a participant in this game. And that's what a supporter base should be during a game. You should be a participant who actively helps the team. And when they do that, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I can like make enough noise where I affect how the team are feeling on the pitch, and which is quite a powerful tool. So, yeah, love it. Yeah, um, so just kind of get into the game itself. You know, we the team was pretty... The team almost like nearly picked itself right now at the moment. But uh, I think one of the... 
the differences here was that we had uh, Wes Timoteo playing as a left back or left mm-hmm. winger, um, which no, I don't... very much a left back. Yeah, and I, I felt like going forward he was fine, but I think that he got you know his inexperience as a defender kind of he was caught out a couple of times, um, but I definitely felt like he kind of uh, grew into the game as, as time went by. But uh, there was a couple of like little hairy moments for him at the beginning, but. Uh, what did you think overall of like the was there our usual system or was there a couple of changes made it? Uh, what what was your thoughts on that? So on Timoteo first, and I guess more broadly, what our fullbacks do. Something we've talked about before is when we build play, we build in a three-two-five. So the two centre backs and one of the fullbacks form like a central three. And recently it's been Zach Fernandez playing essentially as a right winger. So he's a right back, but he's playing as a right winger when we're building up. And the left back will tuck in and form a back three. We've kind of scrapped the inverted fullback thing for now. I'm sure it will come back. So left back tucks in and forms part of a back three. So when I saw that lineup on on Friday, my first thought was we've got two, on paper at least, really attacking fullbacks playing. So how are we going to do that kind of 3-2-5 build? And basically... Timoteo didn't really play as an attacking fullback. He was pretty positionally disciplined, didn't cross the halfway line too much and kind of tucked in alongside Kale Offrey and Dan Nimick to form that back three. Um, and I thought, I thought I do agree. There was a couple of moments early on where he got caught out a little bit, I think, but overall he was pretty solid and he, he showed a side to his game that I didn't know existed. I, I thought as a left back, he's just a very attacking, like, like Ashley Cole, type I don't know why I've mentioned Ashley Cole that was like 20 years ago but that sort of attacking left back yep. so it's good to see him do that um overall the system is it's largely still the same because while we've stopped inverting the fullback to form the base of the box instead we've kind of been sticking lately to Lorenzo and Omar as a double pivot and we've still got a box though because Aiden Daniels playing as a right winger, but he spends most of the game tucked in centrally and forming the upper part of the box with whoever the 10 is. It was Geraldo on on Friday. Um, again, system's still the same in that we have our left and right wingers playing very, very wide. Or I should say the right winger is Fernandez playing a right back who is kind of playing as a right winger. So we keep them players high and wide. Coimbra very, very active, very physical centrally, just putting himself about. And we've kind of settled on something now like the first six or seven games there are a lot of changes every single game but we're starting to see a core group of players who you kind of know if they're fit they'll probably play and it's really drawn my attention to the fact and I didn't really notice it until Friday because I was looking at Forge and thinking Forge are a really big team and then you start to look at our own players and think like how do we measure how do we measure up to them physically And we've actually got a really, really robust physical spine now. If you think of the spine of our team, you've got Jan in goal, you've got Kale Loffrey and Dan Nimick at the back, you've got Lorenzo and you've got Mo Omar in midfield and then you've got Coimbra up front. So if you just look down the centre of our team, we're incredibly physical and we're not going to get bullied with those players on the pitch. They all put themselves about. Lorenzo, okay, is not the biggest, but he's kind of our technical leader, so... We've developed a really strong spine and then we can put our more kind of our speed merchants, our our dribblers on the exterior of the team where they can do damage in those areas. So, yeah, we've we're settled on something now and I like it. 
Yeah, and that, that, that's that's a big thing for me is that uh, like Coimbra, for instance, like I I just can't see him being dropped unless he's injured because like he just plays like such an important part of uh what what we're trying to do. Like I I felt like this game was really interesting to me more when we didn't have the ball because mm-hmm. uh you've mentioned before like that this is a team that needs to have the ball and I think that. Patrice has changed things that if if we're playing teams that won't allow us to have the ball as much, we can be just as dangerous because when as soon as they had the ball, the the two we had two blocks of people like our lines was almost like a, a four four one one almost like where people we just sat in and Forge just didn't have the pace or um the the weather all to to get through us like I mean how often have you watched Kyle Becker, like letting loose passes go. Like, I mean, Borges, it was mentioned in commentary a bunch of times that he just couldn't get into the game. And I, I felt it was a kind of a little bit disrespectful like, when I was listening to the commentary uh, uh, um, where they were mentioning quite a lot of like Forge needs to get into this game, Forge needs to up the tempo. And I, I think they weren't giving Halifax the credit of how strict we were in our defending um mm. as soon as they got the ball we were into our lines into our formation and we just we just kind of they just couldn't get through us and I, I think Patrice has to be applauded because at the start of the season I think that he was so wanted that the system that he had to work that like he, he was kind of ignore like he, it was all his his formation or or nothing. Whereas now it's like when we do, he's able to change it up enough that when we're playing different types of teams, we're changing the formation to match, um, or or the way that we the style that we have to match the teams we're playing. So it was really interesting to watch how little their good players were able to get into the game, and I I, I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, our, our defensive blocks really. <clears throat> really strong like we've talked before about um contrasting and con- contracting and contrasting so as i said when we're attacking we're attacking in like a three two five shape that's very very wide making the pitch really big therin stretches it on the left and zach fernandez very wide on the right and then the energy and the discipline as soon as we lose it we we contract back into that four four one one or four four two shape really really narrow no spaces between the lines and it's really difficult to play through that. Like, okay, that's fine. Like pass the ball out to your wide player where there's a bit of space, but within half a second, we're going to shuffle over. We're not going to allow you to overload us. So good luck. Um, Players like Becker who like to punch it between the lines. He can't really do that when there's no space between the line. So yeah, we've got really nice defensive and attacking shapes at the moment and we look good. I really, I really, I find with with Becker when you're playing uh, Forge, and you see him kind of move from being like an eight to dropping deep to trying to be a, like trying to be a six, mm. you know that you're playing the right way against Forge because like he he doesn't, I don't think he's a, he's obviously one of the best players in the league, but I think he's way more effective as an eight than a six. So when you see him dropping back trying to like get the ball and make things move. I feel like you're doing like the the right things. Um, yeah, Forger at their Forger at their best when they break the first line and and find him in a pocket. And if he's if there's no space in that pocket and he's dropping deep to kind of do deep line quarterback stuff, then you know, you know you've 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 given them a question that they can't necessarily answer. I I, I kind of just just for the goal, like I, the like Farron's goal, obviously, like it, it was 
I think Derek had said that the goal we scored against York was the best goal he's ever seen mm-hmm. the Wanderers score. This is right up there. I, I think the, mm-hmm. the 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 pass from uh, Dan Nimick and the control from Ferran and the goal were like just phenomenal. But um, what 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 did you think of the goal? And secondly, like we kind of mentioned a few times about Dan Nimick's ability to. To, to hit these kind of balls and I've talked to him and he's kind of like you know I try not to hit them too often because obviously like teams are watching it but he's, he's just got like such a, a, a like you know we talk about Lorenzo quite a lot about like his wand of a foot this guy is like unbelievable yeah it was I mean it, either that goal or the York goal are my favorite goals in years to be honest probably my favorite in our history for completely different reasons um I loved I loved that fairing goal and I loved it for loads of reasons. But I, one thing, so when you, when you watch a game live and this is not just Wanderers, this is any team and you're high enough up, what you notice is there is always, always, always an opposition player in a shitload of space on the wing. And the first time you see that, you kind of panic a bit and go, oh my God, that player's in loads of space. But there's a reason they're in that much space and that is because there's zero threat. And the other team like have a narrow defensive shape and just say, right, whatever, leave him out there. By the time the big diagonal gets to him, we've shuffled over. They can't overload because we've kind of put other bodies there. So no danger at all. But what I loved about that goal was just aside from what Ferrin did, which is what we'll get to, is what his teammates did. Because when that long diagonal is played, Geraldo and Coimbra bust a nut to get to that space as well. The only way that pass is effective is if you put bodies near him to create overloads. So one player runs into the box and drags a defender with him, which opens up the space for Ferrin to drive into. Another player is a passing option, so that takes someone else out of the game. So that goal only happens because his teammates have joined him quickly to actually make that long ball into space worthwhile. Because nine times out of ten, there's no point. Nine times out of ten, that ball gets to him. He's surrounded by Forge players. There's no Wanderers player in sight, and we lose the ball. So that was really impressive, The what the other players did. What he did... So yeah, the Nimic pass is genuinely astounding, like on a dime. And then Ferrin's first touch, not just to control it, that first touch also touches him inside and takes his marker out of the game. Like there's, uh, it's just it's just a wonderful first touch. And then to kind of have the composure to beat a player, beat another player, and then still have the finish. It was just, it was just a, a magnificent goal. And I was like, I was off my seat going mad over that goal. <laughs> and we, me and my mates were just looking at each other going like, holy shit, what was that? That was just an incredible, it, incredible goal. It's the one advantage to watching the game at home on TV is that you get to see replays of it. And mm. it, 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 like, you're right. I mean, even like, like Ferran, like having the guts to go inside and just keep going and take the shot. I feel like, Wanderers teams of old probably wouldn't have taken the shot. They would have like tried to to do something because it's almost that pressure thing of like uh, I don't want to make a mistake. But it was just the belief that he had to actually to go for it, and it was it was absolutely fantastic. And I I watching everybody go fucking nuts mm. uh, was incredible. But it, it's just the levels are just getting so much better for us. I mean, like that's 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 a goal that you you'd probably see at a higher level to be perfectly honest and it, it was fantastic to see a Halifax team put that together and you're right I mean 
Uh, I, I think Coimbra and Geraldo were the unsung heroes of the, the whole game because every game the two of them like what a uh, shift. oh my god like like Geraldo looked fucked when he came off <laughs> and like yeah. you know like he, he he they just worked their socks off and yeah, I, I mean it's it, 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 those things that I, you've talked about it before uh, what you do off the ball is just as important as what you do on the ball and you know when you've got players like that it's just uh it makes it easier for people like Farron and Daniels to be able to get into the game. And just, I know we've kind of talked about Aiden Daniels ad nauseum for like the last couple of games, but this was a game that wasn't suited to his style because he never really got a chance to get on the ball and do the damage that he's done. But once again, it was another game where he put in a shift and like, you know, he like Zach Fernandez, like he, he helped him out quite a lot on, on the wings. Um, so yeah, like kudos to him too, like for just being a, a different player this year. It's just just yeah. amazing. Like you know, I I know that Jordan talked when we talked to him before, um, the season like how they want Aiden to be a different player, and it, it's definitely this has been said before. And it, the sometimes with the like one soccer, like obviously Forge are the biggest team in the league with because of like the, it's the stuff they've won and all that kind of stuff that and there's a kind of a forge bias but Ian Hume was like adamant that the, the penalty shouldn't have been given after because uh Callum Watson had played the advantage but yeah he's like, wrong <laughs> yeah ex- exactly and and through the whole game like it, it, as I said to you like they weren't talking about the job that Halifax were doing it was always like a lack of tempo from Forge. Mm. Uh, Forge need to do this. Forge need to do that. And like they weren't, I think, giving as much kudos to Halifax as it deserved because we, our system was, we were so tight that it was kind of like suffocating uh, Forge. But, you know, I, I thought the response from, um, the response from Forge in the second half, I think they had a good five, 10 minute spell just before their goal. They were kind of like Jan made some, big saves again uh, and then obviously the Becker goal but what did you think the response from us after they got the goal I mean I'm glad it was the players on the pitch not me because I was fucking demoralized like when that Becker goal went in like I could feel it coming and I was like I was being really anxious like I was just muttering to my mates like it's coming they're gonna score they're gonna score we need a second we need a second and so when when I saw that Becker goal hit the back of the net I just turned around like and luckily I'm on the back row so it's just like railing next to me and I just hit the railing really hard and hurt my hand I was so <laughs> fucking angry and I was I was like fucking Becker as well I hate I hate that little weasel um so yeah I was and I just I, I stand I stand for most games but I just sat down for like five minutes after it went in because I was just demoralized and I knew it was a good result and I knew we'd played well but I just wanted to like put one over them um but then uh then the to be fair the way the players responded kind of galvanized me a little bit and I think galvanized the fans as well because once we saw the fact that we were our mindset wasn't oh shit now we've just got to protect the draw the mindset was no we've still we've still got a chance that we're going to go and win it once you see the players doing that again going back to how how players project to the fans when you see them doing that you want to give them something as well you want to support them even louder and and i think we did because we recognized and there was the thought in my head like shit we might get caught out here but in the end it was worth it i i definitely think uh had it gone the other way i wouldn't have been as di- i wouldn't have been 
that disappointed just because of the way we played. But mm. um, obviously, I wasn't at the ground, so I can only watch it from home. But can you talk us through the the penalty, uh, the lead up to it, the, the yeah. long ball over and the whole thing? But what was like at the game? I can still see it in slow motion in my head, to be honest, because we kind of had an idea that this would probably be the last attack. And I saw Lorenzo pick it up around the halfway line. And that was that pass he played was the very definition of like uh, like soccer's version of a Hail Mary pass in an yeah. NFL game. It was just him going, I'm just gonna like kick it into an area where there might be some danger. And you see, you see actually Riley Ferrazzo makes a really, really good run. And I swear I watched that ball loft over the forge defender's head in slow motion. And in stages, you realise, oh, shit, he's not headed that out. And then you see it land at Riley Frazzo's foot and you think, oh, shit, it's landed at his foot. And then his first touch is really good. And you think, oh, fuck, his first touch was really good as well. (laughs) And in stages, you kind of then see Henry rush out and like flap at him. And then you see him go down and you're shouting penalty, penalty, penalty. That's a fucking penalty ref. And then Callum Watson takes a shot and there's a split second where it's cleared off the line. And you think, oh, God, no, she, like the ref hasn't played. The ref's played advantage, so it's not a penalty. And then she blows and points at the spot. And I very, very quickly went from absolute elation to pure terror, like pure, pure terror. Because I was like, if this doesn't go in, this is going to be heartbreaking. Um and the gap between the penalty being given and the penalty being taken, it was probably only about five minutes, but it felt like felt like an hour and a half. And I, we like the two guys I was sitting with, we were just kind of like not really standing still. We were just like had a lot of nervous energy, so we were like turning around, looking out at the fucking horses over the road, like oh no, he's going to score, no, he's going to score, and like oh fuck, is that Nimic? Nimic's picked the ball up. Our centre back's taking the penalty. And all of these kind of things happening at once. Forge players being a bit aggro, like trying to like rough kick up the penalty spot. Zach Fernandez and a few more getting in their faces about it. Then finally it clears and Nimic's stepping up to take it. But then I think the ref made him like rearrange the ball yeah. or something. So you're like, oh my God, this is just, this is going on forever. This is horrific. This is torture. And then like blows the whistle. And what I liked, instead of him just quickly taking it, you see him like kind of take a breath and just like settle himself and ground himself and then easy as you like and it it was one of like one of like my football life highs watching the players running at pace towards our stand to celebrate like just flinging themselves on the ground sliding on their knees there were fucking limbs people were a couple of people near (laughs) us fell down like into the next row me and my mates were just (laughs) hugging and screaming at high pitches and it was just a brilliant, brilliant moment. And it just it kind of reminds you, like, like I know, like, it's all about like winning championships and stuff like that. But, like, nights like that can exist outside the parameters of winning a championship. Like, those sorts of nights can, can exist independently of anything else, just as a moment of, like, community joy and being around a group of people who all want the same thing as you just as badly and then you get that thing and you can just shout really loudly and hug each other and just be delighted to be part of this community and it was just a wonderful moment and I'm glad like so many incredible photographers captured it as well because there's some really really brilliant photos out there that do it justice watching from home I fucking wish I was there because Mm. it, it, it like TV just didn't do it justice whatsoever. Mm. And um, w- when I was watching at home and I saw Dan Nimick like 
I was like, what, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and then just put, put it away so casually uh, yeah. it was fantastic. And, you know, like you, you see the, you, I, I you saw the celebration and all that kind of stuff, but like just being there and then the photos afterwards, just I think it was a really cool one of Campania. I, I don't know how high he's jumping and <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, you're right. It's, it's not always about, the, the winning championships it's little moments like that that just people will remember for a long 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 time and you know it's uh it's just what this community needs like it just this is what they deserve for mm. um the, the fact that they go out in droves every every time there's a home game and it, it was just yeah it was just so, so nice to see um I think Lorenzo's celebration like summed it up the yeah. photographers captured him really well just like primal just yelling yelling to the sky like just yeah oh i fucking i woke up the next day and i opened up my instagram and i was like with i had a massive hangover because i i got home i only had like two tall ship lights at the game but i got home and my adrenaline was just like, <laughs> through the roof so i was like i need to go out for a beer <laughs> and just to like kind of ground me and settle me down a bit so i was like fucking throbbing with with adrenaline um so i ended up like having a few too many like whatever woke up with a bit of hangover so I opened up Instagram and I was like I've got a new message I opened the message and I was like Lorenzo Caligari like why the fuck's he in my inbox um and I opened the message and at like 2am I'd like sent him a message saying what a fucking player you are what a player you are you're a brilliant player you're Lorenzo you're a magician with like I'm in a your DMs, magician baby. hat emoji <laughs> Just DM to saying that, and he bless him. He like replied saying, "Thank you so much." Prayer emoji. <laughs> but I was like, "What the fuck is he messaging me?" Oh right, I fucking drunk messaged him to tell him what a good footballer he was. I love it. I love it. I love poor that little Fre- poor little French lad. Like, oh, what is what is this? <laughs> Who is this fucking weirdo? First of all, I, I love uh, your French accent, and second of all, that's <laughs> that's fucking awesome that you replied there. Um, yeah, so, so you know, uh, I, so I missed out on all of that. Mm. So you had a couple of Heinegans at the game, Hurt <clears throat> Molson. Oh um, yeah, 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 definitely. The one of my favorite moments of the celebration um, was uh, Jordan. Uh, I don't know if you saw his knee slide. Uh, it yeah, was... he fucked it, didn't he? <laughs> I did. I was right. I was like, I was behind him, like to the side when that happened. Was... <laughs> oh my god, it was fucking awesome. Uh, but it's just, it's just like little moments like that that just made it. So yeah, um, I have to ask you, because Molson are back, uh, your Molson man of the match. Um, I'm split between Dan Nimick and Massimo Ferrin, and it feels like we're only saying those because they were the goal scorers. But I, like. Uh, Ferrin, I think we've given Nimic a couple, so I'm going to say Ferrin for this. I just thought he was a constant threat, like so positive, driving forward every time he got the ball on the left, kind of being on his own sometimes against two or three defenders and still like making stuff happen. So, yeah, Ferrin. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, I, I thought he was uh, probably his best game for for us so far, and you can definitely see that there's more to come. So, um, yeah, good for him. Uh, Glad, glad you made a jump from League One to to the CPL with, with Halifax. Um, just the, kind of just a little bit of a couple of little items before we finish up here. Uh, Morelli back at training pictures today. He's wearing your number eleven. Um, how yeah. happy, how cool was it to see him back out there kicking the football? 
amazing yeah so so happy and i just hope it all went well for him today like i hope he i hope like even though he was probably a step or two off everyone else i hope he still felt good in his body and and yeah it's gonna be i'm so interested to see where he fits into how we play like i can't wait to see what the coaching staff have cooking for him and how they fit him in um so that's yeah to be decided but really looking forward to finding out yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm glad he's back. I don't think that he's a selfish player, and I think that we're really lucky to have him. Um, yeah. I wish you, I, w- I wish you could say the same, but uh, obviously you're a <laughs> hater. Uh, I love him to bits. I love the man to bits. I've been his biggest supporter for years. I just didn't think he was coming back for the record, um, but I'm really happy he is. He's going to be there on Saturday, isn't he, at the under-23 yes. game? So um yeah we'll see him oh i'm not gonna see him then just in case he believes you saying things like that that i've been hating on him um yeah. so i'm not gonna see him because he might he's into jiu-jitsu and stuff isn't he, he might he's yeah he, he does a lot of uh, he does a lot of mma stuff uh so are you, are you gonna go to the game on on saturday yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah um you um, I'm gonna try. Uh, it all depends on if i can get somebody to watch watch the boys um so just speaking of the under twenty threes, were you surprised to see uh Fumper down with the under twenty threes? Um, not really, because he's been on the periphery of the team. So you kind of want you want um competitive minutes in his legs, not just training minutes. So he is ready when he comes in. And I actually thought his cameos recently have been quite positive. So um I think he's definitely a right back in Patrice's system. He's not he's not a right winger that inverts. He's definitely a right back. So it kind of gives us another speedy attacking option at right back if Fernandez can't play. So yeah, wasn't well, too surprised. When, when when you said his cameos are really positive, I thought for a second I was like, <laughs> oh, well, it's that <laughs> It's like he's he's doing like paid videos. Oh god, thirty p for a video, <laughs> thirty cents. Sorry. Um. So uh, just getting into a couple of questions here, just before we we finish up. So uh, da, 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 da. uh, we'd like to hear what you think of next week. Three games in eight days, including two long road trips, and how could it affect our recent surge? So this scheduling that the, the CPL has done here is fucking awful. So we play it in Vancouver. Come back here for a game on Tuesday, and then we we go back out to to Cal- like why would they not have done the Vancouver and Calgary games together? I'll never know. But uh, what do you think is this going to affect us? How do you how would you play it? I, there's there seems to always be a little run of fixtures every season where you're like Jesus Christ. Like I'm sure it's a really difficult job to like do these schedules, but you just think fucking hell. Like that could have you could have made everyone's life a lot easier. Then the thing the thing I'm disappointed about is that normally when we play away on the West Coast and when teams play away on the West Coast teams play away on the East Coast, the home team has a big advantage. But yep. we don't have that advantage against Pacific on Tuesday because we are also travelling back from the West Coast. And that's really annoying because Pacific are a good team, so I'd quite like all the help we can get to beat them. And under normal circumstances, I think we would definitely beat them, but it's a bit more 50-50 now. And it so, definitely it, it definitely helped York the last time because York had played out in out the out west. I think it was specifically played, and they came in here for a week, and they beat us three 0 And I think it really helped them mm. uh, with that. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's definitely going to affect us. 
Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, the, the interesting thing now for me is how we emotionally come back from the victory against Forge, because as much as like people talk about bad runs of form and that affecting players, I think having an emotional high, which was in as intense as Friday was, you almost need to reset throughout the week and reestablish your goals leading into the next game. So the players, okay, brilliant performance, brilliant win, but forget about it. Like we've got to refocus on the goals, on our goals. And I guess you can do that by setting a really, a really obvious target, which is all right, boys, you need to win your first away game. You haven't won an away game yet. You've, things have been going well lately, but you still haven't won an away game. So that's your goal for the week. Like that's what we put all our energy into focusing on. Get to Vancouver and try and and I think that's on paper, that's the most winnable away game at the moment with how they're playing. So full focus on that, hopefully. But yeah, it, the, the scheduling's fucked us there big time. It's a shame. Yeah. Um thanks to Anthony Germana for that uh, for that question. Uh Denton asks. Do you have any predictions for the Wanderers transfer window? I'm not expecting anything other than Morelli's arrival, but what else might happen? How are we doing numbers wise? I, I don't actually know. Like, can we even bring anyone else in? I don't. I don't think so because we have to. No. We have to shuffle some stuff to to bring Morelli in. Did we not? So, um, I could. I could see probably a couple of loans that, like you know, like as we kind of mentioned there, like uh, like like Fump has kind of been on the periphery and. He's a player that wants to play, so mm. might see a loan or two, and then we might see somebody come in that way. But otherwise, I think it's a pretty settled squad, really, isn't it? Like, I mean, like yeah. we, um, so yeah, um, I, I, I think you're right. We mightn't probably see anybody else, Denton. So, yep, there you go. Uh, Wanderer Dave, uh, if you could upgrade one spot, where is it? Any thoughts on future Rampy role, and would he ever consider selling if an offer came in? Ooh, um. I mean, if we're talking about upgrade, I think the position where there's still a question mark, and it does tie into Rampy, is that like left eight slash ten role. Um, I think that is where there is the most obvious. And I, I don't necessarily think oh, I like the options there. I like Geraldo there. I like a lot because he's an off the ball merchant, a second ball merchant who just puts himself about and disrupts. Um, Rampy, I still think could learn that role. Because he's got like the tight control, he can he can play in small spaces. So, like I I can see where that role will start to work, but it does jump out at you as the most obvious position where you're like, now we could probably we could probably improve there. Um, The only other areas really, I would say, I'd like to layer on top in. I'd like to layer on top of sorry, put layers underneath Lorenzo because I still think if he is injured. I, I do have concerns and I, I like, I don't, I don't know that you can find anyone who would come to this league who is close to his level as a suitable backup. So just got to hope he stays fit and doesn't pick up too many yellows. Well, that that's the thing. He's on seven yellows. So he's one away from oh, a two, game, game? two game suspension. Yeah. He just, how long has yeah. he got to like, for that to reset? I, I don't fucking know but yeah it's it's but it's it, you know it's it, it like he was suspended came back and i think he was yellow card and then his next game so yeah um it, it's it you're right i i think definitely that's an issue like when he's out like we saw what happened um i i, I think uh like for geraldo's spot like it, you know colin watson's obviously a good option there too mm-hmm. so uh, you know i, I think this, the squad is pretty settled and we have quite some really good players that are chomping at the bit to, to come into the team. So I think 
competition breeds um uh, breeds people like wanting to keep their their spots on it's just going to make us more successful that way so i think yeah. the squad is actually starting to come together really nicely um i agree uh thanks dave for that uh cb uh keeper guy ottawa's pickup of zabater uh shrewd pickup or smells of desperation so this is the guy that they brought in from is it like ray rayo valicano or, or or some somebody in the spanish league he's uh diego maradona called him a bulldog or something <laughs> so but he but he like you know he's obviously played at a very very high level um and Ottawa using their connections back back in Spain to to bring this guy in, uh, I I think he's going to look really good, but because he's going to probably play as a six, and for a guy who's that who's that good, you know, uh, six would be probably an easier position for him. But I don't I don't think it's desperation. I I think I just think that like they have these uh, players available whenever they kind of want to, because they've got so many connections. Like, I mean, they brought in some other kid as well from the Ottawa, Ottawa Atletico Academy. So they've got like such a, they've got such a, a, a vast scout network just based off Atletico itself, you know, and they've, obviously there's other teams in the parent group that they can bring in from. They've got like a huge advantage over everybody. So I think it's a sign of the league's growth that we can attract a player like that to come in here. Um, But he is going to expect minutes. And I think, that's whether he's going to be able to play on plastic pitches during very hot summers in like, you know, Winnipeg when it's like 33 degrees. And whereas like, you know, I, I think that might be, uh, might be an issue, but um, yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a good pickup for him. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think before I'd have seen, before I saw the Lorenzo in this league, I would have been a lot more skeptical, but now I've seen someone with big pedigree come in who is not, particularly athletic but still absolutely boss the league because of how good he is technically that makes me think you can have a player like um this guy come in and even at 38 still have enough like like spatial awareness and positional awareness to to kind of dominate games so yeah looking forward to seeing him I mean what you said there like Ottawa do have a massive competitive advantage because of because of the pipeline they've got and the connections they've got, and they really should be doing better than they are this season based on that. But, but they're not, which is quite fun. Yeah. Um, it was Zaragoza he played for. Um, I knew it was. Oh fucking Zaragoza, mate! I hate Zaragoza with a passion. Do you know? Oh. Do, you, do you know why? I think you're probably going to remember why. Uh, Naeem from the halfway line. Naeem from the fucking halfway <laughs> line. I was nine years old. Last minute of the cup winners' cup final. Dave Seaman flapping. Naeem from the halfway line I just bawled my eyes out and I kind of I think I refused to go to school the next day because I was so, so upset about it <laughs> bawling my eyes out uh, uh so, yeah. yeah um so yeah so uh, <laughs> yeah um I, great game great to, great to be back uh it was great being back home but I obviously missed the Wanderers um game on Friday is gonna be hoping for a win it's probably our best chance of an away win mm. um and then Obviously, Tuesday at home, uh, which Tuesday is the home game, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yep. So that should be uh, that should be a good one. So uh, hopefully, I can get my arse to the grounds, and uh, I'll see you there, Gar. I'm gonna try and get uh, an actual ticket and not go to the press box because uh, I actually haven't seen a game from the uh, the 
the the fans' perspective. I've just been up in the press box this year, so uh, you've seen the game from us us little people's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I'm kind of worried because my friend Andy Watson was at the uh, the the game on Friday and he was behind the goal in the patio and like a fool turned his back on the on the game or the practice shooting for like two seconds oh, no. and got got a crack in the head from oh. from a ball. So I I think what they should do is because. He was severely concussed. He wasn't. He was fine. Um, I, I think they should like give him a signed match ball or something like that to make up for it. So he, Derek... he could be mascot for the next game. He can walk out holding the hand of uh, Moema. <laughs> we'll find out the player who smacked him in the head with the ball and he gets. Oh, <laughs> uh, Gar, it's good to be back, man. Uh, thanks for hanging out and uh, come on, you Wanderers. Cheers, mate. See you soon.